the Psych and Business Podcast, where we highlight the integration of psychology and psychological principles into the world of business and organizations. I'm your host, Dr. Ernest Wade. I'm very excited to introduce you today, my guest. He's a well-known coach, advisor, and author. He's one of the strongest advocates for the need for psychological knowledge and training for coaches. He is Dr. John Reed. John is a top-level executive coach, a trusted advisor to senior leaders, and the leading advocate for the more substantial standards and competencies for practicing coaches to professionalize discipline. He is a MG100 Coaches member, helping talented people excel further. He specializes in serving C-level leaders, founders, partners, boards, teams, and other senior professionals. Three organizations, including Marshall Goldsmith, Stake, Marshall Goldsmith Stakeholder Centered Coaching and the ICF, designate him as a master coach. John integrates expertise in leadership, strategy, psychology, and coaching. He received an MBA from the Tuck School of Business at Dartmouth College and a PhD in psychology from the University of Georgia with an internship at Emory. He serves as a licensed business psychologist. John is a US Navy veteran and previously worked in the Accenture strategy practice. In 2005, John began his coaching practice, Quinn Reed Associates, to help leaders reach new heights. John is a founding fellow and contributing author to the Institute of Coaching at McLean Harvard Medical School. His latest book, released in 2022, is Pinpointing Excellence, Succeed with Great Executive Coaching and Steer Clear of the Rest. His, le his latest recognition is the Distinguished Psychologist in Leadership Award received in 2023 from the Society of Psychologists in Leadership. His 50-plus client organizations range from the Fortune 100 to private equity startups in 18 sectors, including, for instance, aerospace, consumer products, environmental services, energy, financial services, healthcare, legal, manufacturing, and technology. In volunteering, John mentors developing coaches in the Forefront program associated with the MG100 coaches. He cares about education and support for children and veterans. He has a history of board service, including service as the president of an inner city Houston school, the Nehemiah Center, the Honor Foundation, the Tuck School of Business at Dartmouth, Dartmouth College and Deerfield Academy are additional organizations he supports. Wow, Dr. Dr. John Reed, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Ernest. It's an honor to be here and, and uh, to be here with a fellow member of the Society of Psychologists and Leadership and, and a leader in his own right in our field. Well, thank you. So it's a pleasure. Ernest. Thank you so much. I was there to see you get your award and I say, it, I mean, looking at all your accomplishments, very well, um, very well deserved, John. Thank you. That's very kind of you, Ernest. Now, as, as a veteran, John, I have to say thank you for your service as well. You know, we really appreciate your sacrifice. Well, I'm... I, I actually have a, my father who will be 97 next month is a, is a Navy veteran and I have a daughter who went to Annapolis and was a, was a helicopter pilot. And I have a, I have a son who just finished five years in the Marines. Wow. So he's now a, let me see if I have this right. He's starting his sophomore year in college and he just turned 25. Wow. So, so he's uh you know, he's a, he's a, he's a good, good guy. That's amazing. Good guy. Family of service. Thank you. That's, you know, thank you multiple times over John. That's amazing. Well, uh, I, that's very kind of you. And 
there are a lot of there are a lot of people who served sort of at the at the tip of the spear. Mm-hmm. I was in a I was in a uh, administrative office uh, in the United States. So I yes I was in the Navy, but I was uh, I was far from the the flash point of action. But still, still you don't get to pick what yes, you do. Still a sacrifice. But John, that's a good segue. I want to ask you about about your career. And there's so much stuff in here that I don't know that we're going to get through all of it, but I really want to start with your journey. How did you get into being a business psychologist? Because I know you started off first in business and then added the psychology, which is a unique approach. So tell us about that, John. Sure. Sure. Well, I, I, you know, finished business school and um, decided to go into management consulting and was lucky and, and had, I would say, a good 11 years of doing that. And then right about that time, I, I began to, as some people do, uh, not, not be as satisfied with it as I used to be. And I was getting promotions and I was, I was actually confused because some people would look at me and think, well, this, this, Things seem to be clicking along pretty well for for this guy, um, and I went to a psychologist who was a sort of a career counselor mm-hmm. because I, I I couldn't quite figure out why I was sort of a quote achieving more and enjoying it less, <laughs> and and this guy this guy said to me I I am very very much devoted to him and indebted to him because he said to me one day, look, I'd like you to, uh, I'd like you to go home and read about adult stages of development. And I of course, at that point I had no psychological training. So I mm-hmm. said, adult stages of development, what the hell is that? You know? <laughs> and I, he said, I'd like you to particularly read about Eric Erickson and in particular, I'd like you to read about the adult stage of development called generativity. I thought this is ridiculous. Why? Why am I? Why am I doing this? Went home, did that. Generativity, as you know, Ernest, is that stage where, among other things, people begin to get much more interested in serving mm-hmm. other people mm-hmm. than anything else. And he said, my, my guess is that you, you are reaching that stage. And I was, I was confused because I thought, gee, you know, I, I want him to help me reframe what's going on in my current business role so I can just chug along with mm-hmm. it. But he was smart enough to see that there was a bigger transition going on. So with his help, I then looked at several different careers. I looked at becoming a physician, a minister, and the third the thing third thing I looked at was becoming a psychologist. Wow, those are big career so, changes. All big, big career change, you know, so leaving a leaving a big job, uh, you know, a six figure job to go back to graduate school was terrifying in some <laughs> ways. But I, you know, looking back at it now I, I was very lucky to have that encouragement from him because now, 30 some odd years later, I am, I am very, very happy in my work. Uh, I have several friends who are classmates from business school days who are uh, 
watching watching the second hand on their watch to get to the point when they don't have to do their job anymore and can just retire. Whereas I don't really ever want to retire. I I love what I do and uh, uh, but I I would never have found this this channel if it weren't for Dr. Stathis. His name was John Stathis. Mm-hmm. Um, and and actually finished I went to I went to the University of Georgia uh, to get my PhD and had a fourth year internship at Emory mm-hmm. and then actually got hired back into consulting after after graduating um, and they they had me in strategy consulting at Accenture now it used to be called Anderson Consulting mm-hmm. now Accenture but I was also as a new psychologist a dotted line into change management, Mm -hmm. another function Mm -hmm. within it. And it was in change management that I first started to encounter executives. This would be in the late 90s who were in need or interested in counseling. There are lots of different words that were used. Um, Coaching actually wasn't used as 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 a term very often. Interesting. That's where I first began to encounter those people. I never really intended to become a coach. I wanted to be just your, you know, your, your garden variety organizational psychologist and strategy consultant. Mm-hmm. So um, I began to, to enjoy that aspect of work more than anything else. So ultimately, in 2005, I opened my own practice uh, and that's that's what I've been doing ever since. That is that is such so, an amazing story, John. It's it's so interesting to me that you know you were you were you were doing what most people would perceive to be well, right? In in your in your work, and uh, the psychologist was able to help you see that there was there was something else that would be more fulfilling to you, and and, and, and here you are from it. So that's a really fantastic story. Uh, so well, I, uh, again, very very lucky to have great support, Ernest, and and uh, insight from a lot of very talented people mm-hmm. around me and and encouragement from, you know, family and friends mm-hmm. also. But lucky, lucky to have made that that transition. Absolutely. And I see some parallels from going to a psychologist who helped give you some coaching and some support to the work that you do now as a business psychologist who gives other leaders, you know, that coaching and support. Help us understand firstly why is coaching important for, for leaders? Why should, why should that even be something that, they, that should be considered? Well, it, it, uh, it can make, uh, if you want to look at it as sort of an ROI proposition, mm-hmm. if you're working particularly with senior executives uh, who are making decisions and leading organizations of a considerable size, if they can, if you can help them be, let's just say, ten percent more effective in their mm-hmm, work mm-hmm. than they were before, um, or if they're already highly proficient, if you can help them become that much more proficient, mm-hmm. the the benefit to people, all kinds of stakeholders, employees, colleagues stockholders, you, you name it, can be enormous, mm-hmm. can be very significant. So um, you can help you can help society more broadly because of the impact of that. 
you can help people develop in their careers and have even more impact. Um, and the business environment, as you know, is, is accelerating continually and gets more and more challenging for leaders every year. Yep. So, so, and I think psychologists, as you know, Ernest, uh, psychologists are very, very well positioned to understand a whole range of, of topics that are directly impacting mm-hmm. leaders. Uh, behavior change, stress management, uh, psychological assessment, um, adult development, yep. uh, work, family balance, um, career transitioning. Uh, the, the, the list is, is enormous. Yep. And so um, I will say, however, that most people at, in the senior executive ranks that I see first kind of reach out to me more because of my MBA probably than anything mm-hmm. else. So that's sort of a door opener in some ways. But once the door opens and you have some credibility, then you can start to apply a lot of the psychological uh, depth that you might have. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure you do that in your work. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I think that's, that's yeah. one of the, the, the benefits of having both the business and the psychology background as, as you and I both have is that we're, yeah, at least from my point of view, I'm able to understand what, what the priorities are for the business leader, right? I mean, that's, they come to you for their priorities. And if you just start talking about psychological aspects without linking it to their priorities, you're not going to get very far. Right. And so I really appreciate exactly right. that you have both of that background and are able to to make that connection. What you said when you when you came back um, after you got your psychological degree, you were you were you know hired back as a consultant. Can you talk a little bit about how your perspective had changed as a result of that that training at all? Oh, sure. Sure. My my first stint right out of business school mm-hmm. for 11 years or so. I was your sort of classically trained MBA. I was very goal oriented. I I cared about people mm-hmm. and I think I related to people well, but I really was very interested in business goals. Um, and for most of that 11 years, Ernest, I was, uh, I saw the people around me and myself as instruments for getting from point A to point B, mm-hmm. right? It was all about hitting the mark, whatever that mm-hmm. was, a revenue number, a profit number, a market share number, whatever. Yeah. It was only, I would say, in the last five years of working, going back to the sort of adult stage of development generativity that I began to get, I realized that some of the the most satisfying things about my job for me really were becoming less and less about hitting the target Mm -hmm. and more and more were the moments when I could be working with some of the people reporting to Mm -hmm. me to help them be better at what they were doing, Mm -hmm. better and more satisfied in, in, the, the, the service of their own goals and their own work, which should have been a signal to me that something was shifting, mm-hmm. wasn't immediately a signal. But 
I hope I'm describing that reasonably well for you. Yeah, yeah. It but, sounds like it, you know the the training that you got helped you to be a better leader to the people around you. Even you know, not even talking about the consulting, but just just the 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 psychological training helped you understand better what it meant to be a good leader there. Right, and then by the by after then after a PhD, going back to an environment where I I had some people reporting to me, I had clients before I was in a slightly different aspect of consult strategy consulting mm -hmm. and change management. Uh, but what was extremely helpful at that point was a much much better uh, tuned awareness of the dynamics the stresses, the satisfactions, mm -hmm. the motivators uh, of the person sitting in front mm -hmm. of me. Uh, so it wasn't just me trying to achieve goals for the business that I was part mm -hmm. of and, and being a good person and working with the client nicely. This The clients now were people who were experiencing not only business challenges, but interpersonal yeah. in some cases psychological demands mm -hmm. to get to a point where they could achieve those business uh, outcomes so it was nice as you said it so well to to have very good grounding in both sides of that both in the sort of the business side mm -hmm. the marketing mm -hmm. strategy so on and so forth side and on the psychological side the the the, the the leadership development aspects. Yeah, John, I mean, you, you said so well, I think this is one of the things that I think is such a, the value that we can bring to the field of businesses is understanding that, you know, business is an organization made up of people, right? And people are individual people have, you know, psychological concerns, you know, how you come into work one day, whether you're happy or sad will impact the decision that you make may impact the behavior that you choose to engage in and will impact people around you, including your coworkers, your clients, your competitors. And so bringing that understanding, that layer of, of clarity to the situation, I think is really just, is, is the goal, you know, I think that we that we, people who have psychological training can provide. So I, I think, I think it's, uh, and finding, finding organizations like the society of psychologists mm -hmm. leadership, or the Division 13 of the American Psychological Association. I know all those those communities that you're part of is is a godsend mm -hmm. because they, those are communities of people who, in many in most cases, understand both sides of the coin yeah. very well. Yeah, absolutely, so, I, I couldn't agree more. Uh, John, I know you are a guru when it comes to executive coaching. Can you give us any examples of, of situations that you've You've walked into where you've provided coaching to help leaders or businesses, you know, really see the value of, of understanding and appreciating that psychological aspect of, of things. Sure. I, I, I've been lucky. I guess it's maybe been about 25 years now, um, Ernest, but uh, a great many leaders who are, uh, let me give you an example of uh, the, the head of a, one of the larger law firms mm -hmm. globally <clears throat> is a client. Um, and he has, in this case, it's a man, he has a leadership team of three other people. Mm -hmm. So there's a sort of a four person leadership team mm -hmm. of this global law firm. Um, 
and he I've started working with him before he he took the role of being the chair, <laughs> the overall head of the law firm. Uh, he was one of their senior partners and but he had a a tremendous amount of responsibility for his clients, right? Mm -hmm. His external clients. And he was then going to be moving to a situation where a lot of his work was in managing, internally managing this enormous organization Mm -hmm. uh, to keep it moving in this very positive direction. Uh, And it, it was a, it, it was a, a commitment he was making to about uh, a decade in this new role as a chair. Mm-hmm. He's an extraordinary guy. But as you can imagine, that's quite a dramatic shift because he was used to being measured in the classic uh, revenue generation, billable hours. Yep. hours, which he was very comfortable and proficient mm-hmm. in. But he also had a lot of respect and credibility within the firm as a as an informal leader mm-hmm. or a leader of, of some of the practice areas. But this this called for him to really become to step back and devote the bulk of his time, not to necessarily client billables, mm-hmm. but to all kinds of additional the, the strategy of the firm, the organization of the firm, the human capital yeah. management and development of the firm. It, I mean, it's, it's a gigantic multi-billion dollar business. Mm-hmm. So I, it, it has been a privilege to work with him, to help him capitalize on a lot of skills and capabilities and emotional intelligence mm-hmm. that he that he very much has and at the same time to help him help him shift the way he frames things and looks at things because uh, the actual demands on him have shifted Mm -hmm. right so if you're used to turning the crank in a particular way and you've had 20 20 some odd years of being immensely effective at that Mm -hmm. and and you have some of that to do, but you have a whole range of additional things to do. Sometimes it helps to have a sounding board and to have to have yourself assessed in a variety of ways mm-hmm. uh, so that you can begin to make the transition yeah. to tackle those other things very well. And also to continue to get feedback from all your stakeholders about how you're doing. Right. Mm-hmm. So for that sort of continuous improvement, uh, very, so that, that's, a, that's an example of uh, a, a great experience where I think, frankly, I, I learn more from many of my clients than they do from me. That's one of the other nice things that's so stimulating about this. And that is such a great example, I think, you know, because you, you really talk about uh, touching on a number of things that I could pull on. I think one of the things that really interests me is just the shifting of roles and responsibility, right? Very often leaders are, are excellent at whatever technical or service or clinical skill that they have. And then when they're asked to step into leadership role, especially of such a large organization, it requires a whole new set of skills, uh, which might yeah. not have been well-developed or trained. And so I think this is where yeah. a coach can really be very helpful to helping you see that, understand that, and, and make the adjustment. So I, I really feel like that's, 
that's such a great example, but also pulls me to the, the next thing I really want to talk about is, is your book. Uh, I really want to hear about your book, Pinpointing Excellence, because I know that you are an advocate, not just for coaching, but for good, great coaching, right? So tell us a little bit about your book and, and, and the work that you've been doing advocating for, for that. Well, thank, thank you, Ernst. Well, I, uh, uh, and I'll, I'll try and give you the Reader's Digest version so your, your listeners uh, don't go to sleep here. <laughs> but uh, but I, uh, basically, when I decided to spend most of my time, this would have been around 2005, in coaching and less time in strategy consulting, <clears throat> it became apparent to me that, uh, well, let me put it this way. I assumed that everybody who was going into coaching or, or working in coaching had a background somewhat like mine, that they had a strong a strong psychology base and a, a strong business base and so on and so forth. Truly, what I found is that the vast majority of people who were in coaching mm -hmm. uh the tactful way to put it is in some cases had no relevant training because there were no entry requirements mm -hmm. or in some cases they had partial training. Mm -hmm. For example, they might have known something about business, but nothing about behavior change or helping people transition mm -hmm. and understand themselves better and so on and so forth. Yeah. Uh, and in some cases they had absolutely no training in coaching mm -hmm. either. So anyway, so I came out with a book about 10 years ago, uh, the first book that sort of laid out four competency areas that were important if you were looking at someone who claimed to be an executive coach. Mm -hmm. One was, of course, business. Yep. One was psychology. One was coaching. Mm -hmm. And the last was ethics. Yeah. Just those four things. And then uh, last year, I came out with a, an expanded update for the 2020s of that book, which went into a lot more detail about how coaching in some ways had improved mm -hmm. in the last 10 years and in some ways had actually regressed because um, it, it had become with social media. Mm -hmm and Zoom and everything else, it would become even easier if you happen to be a nice person and could make a nice first impression. Mm -hmm. And there's nothing wrong with that as long as there's some, some substance underneath mm -hmm. that. But lots of people can make a nice, a nice sort of digital impression and ex actually not have much to deliver after that. And so for the consumer of coaching, in some ways, it's even more dangerous now than it was 10 years ago. So, so I feel like um, the, the, the book or the books are there to help at least two sets of people. One is buyers of coaching services mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. to make sure that they vet someone who says that they're an executive coach as thoroughly as possible mm -hmm. based on pretty objective, consistent standards. So depth in the four areas that I just mentioned. Yeah. And secondly, the, the second audience that seems to be benefiting from these books is um, people who are either existing coaches 
and want to continue to build their skill set. Mm-hmm. So let's say a psychologist who might become even more effective in coaching if they went back and got an MBA, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Or vice versa. Yeah. Uh, or someone who has some training in coaching but probably could use additional training in both business and psychology, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, so you get the general idea. So, or if you're someone who is thinking about moving into coaching, mm-hmm. being able to, to set up a plan, it doesn't have to be immediate, but a plan over several years mm-hmm. of building your educational depth and your skill and experience in all four of those areas. Yeah. So my, you know, my, my hope is that one day, there, there will be um, an expectation that if you call yourself an executive coach and you really want to be operating at the, at the, the top professional level yeah. of the field, just like there, there's such a thing as a licensed psychologist mm-hmm. and a boarded physician and a, you know, a boarded attorney and so on and so forth. That that really means something, mm-hmm. Ernest. Yeah, as opposed to I, I love the know. work that you're doing here and advocating for this because I think you know as we talk about, we want to make sure that uh, people understand the value of psychology and psychological principles in business, but we also want to make sure that you know that the services that you're getting are of quality, right? By individuals who have experience and understanding and training in it, uh, especially as we're talking about integrating you know psychology into business. You, People should have an understanding of psychology and understanding of business in order to be able to integrate that well, especially at the high level. If you're if you're advising senior leaders, you know you, you want to make sure that the people that you're working with, um, you know, know what they're talking about. Really, so I, I really appreciate that you yeah. the work that you're doing on this. Where where can people get a hold of your books? I think that's such a great resource. You 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 uh, just the website for it is very simple. It's just pinpointing excellence. Mm-hmm one word pinpointing excellence.com you can get uh you can go to a lot of information about mm-hmm. it and and it's available uh on amazon in in both digital and uh, paperback form um i do quite a lot of speaking about it and writing i've written some articles for forbes and some other publications about this topic as well uh, pinpointing excellence.com Okay. Pinpointingexcellence.com. And if people want to get a hold of you, John, you know, try to you know get a hold of your services. How do we how do we get a hold of you? You could you could uh, I'm on LinkedIn. Okay. Uh, you could also my my a good place to text me is just eight three two two one five four zero one eight eight three two two one five four zero one eight. And email is just uh, John at Quinn Reed Associates, all one word, dot com. Okay. John at Quinn Reed Associates dot com. Excellent. That's that's fantastic. Thank you, John. Now, before we, yeah. we wrap up, there, we could we could talk for hours, John, because there's so much stuff to talk about here. But I want to make sure that uh, we, we keep it brief for our listeners here. Before we wrap up, I always want to you know invite my um, my guests to give us a tip. You know, we have you as the expert here. What tip would you give to the business world? You know, in this time and age, and all the things that are going on. Oh, well, I, the, I think that if you're, if you're interested in coaching, mm-hmm. 
let me let me just this is a very popular one now one of the things i offer is just a free uh, a free bit of information mm -hmm. about helping you determine whether now is a good time for you to have executive coaching mm -hmm. or not mm -hmm. it's a very it's a very popular trendy thing to do mm -hmm. But there's some things that you should consider and be clear about before you actually make the investment uh, to get to get that kind of uh, support. There's a good time and there's a there's a time when it, it probably is not worth your while. Mm -hmm. So I try and help people differentiate those two things and, and confirm if they want to get executive coaching that they're in the right place to get it. And I sometimes I end up encouraging people to hold off for a while. So mm -hmm. um, and there's a actually on the on in the in the book, there's an automatic download for that pre that free uh, piece of information. OK, so, so how, how do we get that. a hold of that free piece of information? So get the book and it's in there. Get the book and it's in there. Okay. Uh, and and uh, and if you are particularly interested in it and you don't want to get the mm -hmm. book, shoot me shoot me an email and I'd be glad to to send you uh, that piece of information. Awesome for free. Thank you, John. That's that's fantastic. That's a great resource. Thank you so much for doing that. Especially I think because sure. we know you know sometimes it's it's it can be really easy to just follow the crowd, right? We're really we're thinking about is it is it is it appropriate for me is this the right time for me so i love that you're able to help us figure that out so it's a great tip yeah yeah well thank you thank you again ernest and uh um uh, you know it's it anything we can do to to help people mm -hmm. really put it another way get the most out of their investment yeah. if and when they make that investment mm -hmm. in coaching uh so that it continues to grow in in stature and in consumer confidence mm -hmm. those, that's really the thing that i i would like to like to see happen and there are a lot of people in our field who are right there with me mm -hmm. you and you and me together yeah, so. absolutely I, I could not agree more that's that's exactly what i would love to promote as well so john we could talk forever but you know we have to cut it off thank you so much for coming on the show we'll absolutely have to have you come back because there's so much we didn't get to that i wanted to touch on so thanks so much for coming on john Ernest, thank you so much for, for the work that you do in the field and for having me on. I very much appreciate it. It was my Look pleasure. forward to the next one. And that's it, the okay. show for today, folks. We hope to talk to you soon. Thank you.